Welcome to AnimeCons TV. We're your source for reports and discussions about AnimeCons and other fan conventions. I'm Patrick Delhanty. Every month, AnimeCons TV takes a break from our regular episodes to respond to your questions and comments. Let's start this off with emails. Uh, David wrote, I loved listening to Patrick talk about the great paradox that was Providence Anime Conference. It was like hearing about a concert that only five people showed up to, but those that went were blown away and got inspired to make a band of their own or do something with music. It's unfortunate what happened to Pac, and everyone who went or watched Patrick tell his point of view can only wonder what could have been. As for Patrick's question if a convention like Pac could work today, I say yes. Sure, there are more cons than when Pac came out, and they have matured over the years, little to no glomping, less character panels, or other middle school antics, but there are a good amount of adult convention goers that want to just be with other mature adults outside of a bar, 18 plus panel, or hentai screening. The main problem nowadays with the 21 plus con would be people getting too drunk and the increased chances of sexual harassment. There would also be some people wondering why there isn't a dedicated hentai screening room since it's a 21 plus convention, but that's more of a complaint. Well, that's what I think, and keep up the good work for the website and videos from David. P.S. Patrick mentioned that the average con-goer has changed since PAC happened. I think it's because a lot of those that were doing immature antics then have grown up somewhat and don't do it anymore. Uh, well, that may be true. People have grown up, but then there's also new people coming into the fandom. Um, as for uh, the problems with the 21 plus con, um, you say people get too drunk, increased chances of sexual harassment. I mean, that can actually happen at regular conventions. Um, yeah, 21 plus con might encourage it, but um, that really wasn't what PAC was about. And the hentai screening, I mean, if you want to have a hentai screening room at a 21 plus con, sure, go ahead. There's no reason you can't. But that's not what PAC was. And that was part of the problem. Because when we said it was a 21 plus con, a lot of people assumed, oh, it's all drinking and it's all porn. It's not what it was. It was just to get away from the kids. And so that's one of the problems we had conveying. I mean, we can't call it an adult convention because that implied it's adult themed. Uh, and so it, it just became really hard to get that point across that yes, we, we will have some of that. There'll be some events where you can have alcohol and there'll be some uh, adult programming. But a lot of it was just, you know, mature discussions. Uh, talking about uh, history of anime or uh, starting conventions and a lot of stuff that grown-ups would be interested in. And uh, it's hard to convey all of that in a sort of elevator pitch or just in an ad. Um, and it, it wasn't just like it wasn't just adult stuff. So yeah. Um, it, Maybe it could work today, but there's too many cons, so I don't want to try. It's just, yeah, there's a convention, there's dozens of conventions every weekend now. So, uh, there's always room for a good one. Uh, Jacob wrote, I have to cancel my hotel room to AzumiCon 2018. I had contacted the con chair by email, PM'd the AzumiCon Facebook page, and PM'd the con chair's personal Facebook account. The good news for me is that I did not lose money. My question is, 
How do you spot if the convention chairperson is ripping con-goers off, and what can con-goers do to protect themselves? I would like to see an episode answering these questions. Uh, a while back we did an episode on red flags of bad conventions, and uh, might I think you're right, I might be able to uh, do a revisit of that at some point. Um, as for ZumiCon, for those that don't know, they uh, announced the cancellation of that convention, and uh, word got out that it was going to be canceled before they made a formal announcement. So a lot of people were left wondering for days, and they're posting on Facebook and uh, emailing and trying to figure out, is this convention canceled? Uh, what's going on? And the convention never came forward to say, yes, we're, we're sorry, we have to cancel. It was just silence, which is not a good sign. Because, you know, if they're not canceled, they'll, of course, say, oh, no, no, what, where's this rumor coming from? It's not true. We're canceled. We're going to happen. Um, and so, ultimately, from what I understand, a lot of the staff had resigned, especially the senior staff, the, the higher level staff, they resigned. Uh, and so there was nobody left to run the convention. And uh, so, yeah, it's canceled without much warning. And uh, ZumiCon had been running since 2007. I think they had a, a year or two off here and there. But uh, in the last year, it changed hands and somebody else started running the convention. Uh, they bought the name from the previous organizers. And so, I mean, you would think ZumiCon's been running for 10 plus years. It's, uh, you know, everything I heard about the previous convention must be a good sign for this one, but I mean, they, I don't think they advertise the fact it's under new management, so it's hard to tell. Usually, uh, when it's a bad convention, it's the first couple of years, and uh, you, you can tell by going to the website and just looking at other indications like, yeah, they don't really seem to know what they're doing. And then conventions that have been running a long time usually know what they're doing and have their stuff in order. And so you'd think that ZumiCon would be fine. And um, so yeah, I don't know if anybody actually saw this coming, uh, unless they were on staff with ZumiCon and they knew the internal stuff. Uh, but for the public face of this, it seemed to come out of nowhere. And uh, so yeah, there's things you can do to uh, avoid try to avoid bad conventions or conventions that might cancel. And uh, yeah, well, I think we'll revisit that in an upcoming episode. But uh, yeah, this one would have, would have escaped us. I, mean, I don't know if anybody saw this. So uh, James writes, Dear Enemy Cons TV, Hello, first congratulations on reaching 1,000 subscribers and on to another 1,000. I want to say that I agree with what Sketch said in your last feedback episode on preferring dubs. So do I, and occasionally I don't mind a sub-anime like Full Moon o Sagashite. It was a cute and wonderful anime. I'm glad now that Twin Star Exorcists is getting dubbed, but I have to wait for those episodes to build in number as that anime is 51 episodes long. I loved Doug's episode on keeping a convention interesting and trying out new panels or ones hosted by guests that are offering a new perspective on the subject matter. His tips are invaluable. I also loved his con report on Otakon. I loved his concept of quest items to look for in the dealer's room. 
That's something I'm going to try in future cons. I would also have loved to see that Dragon Ball booth that he showed in his video, even though I'm not a big DBZ fan. I wish more vendors would make booths that stood out like that. I'm sad that I missed this Otakon to see their improvements, but I want to return someday. Before I end, please give a special big thanks to Doug for his last two videos. They were awesome. Till next time, this is friend and follower at Anime Otaku James the White Kiba. P.S. I'm in the middle of My Hero Academia Season 3, and I find it to be the most engrossing season yet. I hope it goes for another one. Yeah, I haven't seen those shows. Uh, I really need to watch more anime, but I haven't had a lot of free time lately. Um, and uh, yeah, that that Otakon booth was pretty awesome, and I, I saw a lot of people's Otakon reports, and it seems like everybody had pictures of that. It was pretty impressive. And uh, yeah, I haven't been to Otakon since 2005, uh, mostly because I hate Baltimore. It's one of the, my least favorite cities on the planet. But now they've moved. Uh, but I'm on the West Coast, so, well, maybe someday I'll make it back there. We'll see. Uh, on YouTube, Sparrow779 wrote in response to Doug's Otakon report, I was glad this was one of the longer videos since I was looking forward to it. I went to Otakon once, 2012, and really enjoyed it, though it seemed a disorganized mess at times. So I was wondering how it was settling in for its second year in a new area. The DC center looks nice too. I would love to go to Otakon again while they're in DC, even if it seems some of the things that bothered me in 2012, line issues, scheduling weirdness, may still be there, albeit to a lesser degree. I wonder if the jump in attendance is because they've stopped doing Otakon Vegas and word spread that the DC Center is a good fit. Um, I, I don't think Otakon Vegas has anything to do with the attendance increase because it's like 3,000 miles away. And although there's some overlap in attendees, there's probably not much. I think a lot of the Otakon Vegas attendees were from the West Coast. and even if you add the people that went to Otakon Vegas to Otakon, that I don't think accounts for the increase. I think it just increased because, uh, you know, people saw they did well in DC last year and they wanted to give it a shot and, uh, you know, wait out the first year because things might go wrong. But, uh, yeah, they've, they've gone back and, uh, yeah, Otakon's uh, a well-known convention. A lot of people know about it, so they're willing to trust it. Uh, so I, I think that has more to do with the attendance than uh, than anything about Otakon Vegas. So, uh, Ninopocalypse wrote in response to the Otakon report, That's our Gundam group. An explanation, an apology, for the time and place the shoot was held. Otakon opened up their coordinated cosplay shoot slots back in April and stopped taking applications a month later. Wait, what? The convention is, it was in August, and they open it up in April and stop in May? Like three months before? Okay, that's ridiculous. Um, anyway, but they never made a public announcement about it. Oh, come on, really? Oh, all right. Because the slots weren't filled the first time around, they accepted last-minute applications for the remaining ones for one week towards the end of July. 
The general consensus was that Saturday afternoon worked best for most of the people who were interested. Then, all of the slots for better locations in the convention center had already been taken. I was unfamiliar with the layout and availability of the Marriott Marquis, so I just stuck with what Otacon would give us. And earlier times had already been filled as well, so we were more or less stuck with Hall B at 5 p.m. Additionally, I did little to promote the shoot outside of a Facebook group set up for previous Gundam cosplay meetups at Otakon, and hoped that having our shoot listed on the schedule would be enough. So I agree things could have been handled better, and I'm sad that inadequate planning may have led to the group being so small. Next year will be an opportunity to do better, or maybe someone more competent than me will take over. Anyway, thanks so much for, for joining us and for talking about the shoot in this report. Yeah, you know, don't be too hard on yourself. It sounds like Otakon messed up their uh, uh, cosplay photo shoot location reservation thing. Um, but yeah, now that you're more familiar with the Marriott Marquis, maybe some locations there. And also, you know, you can always ask around and find some people that are more familiar with the area and maybe are interested in being in the group, see if they have suggestions. And uh, yeah, you don't have to put this all on yourself. There's other people that can help. So uh, yeah, work together with people. And uh, I, But I know Doug had a great time and uh, he was really thrilled about that photo shoot. Uh, so, I mean, it had some hiccups, but uh, I don't think they're your fault. At least that's not the just that I got from it. Um, and next, a mother dropped us a line. Hello, I sure hope I'm doing this the right way. I would like to take a moment and fill you in at my biggest challenge as a mother. My daughter, who is 12, has been a furry for the last two years. Up until we came to Megaplex this year, I wasn't sure how to embrace this part of her life. I didn't even know this really existed. I have always allowed my girls to follow their dreams and passions and tried very hard as a mother to support them. I came from a very unsupportive family and knew as a mother that I wanted to do better. So here we are. Air to Furry Con, having a blast. The priceless smile on my daughter's face will never be forgotten in my mind. In fact, we're already making arrangements next year's Megaplex Fur Con. Since the event, I have been going crazy trying to figure out a way to help her achieve her goals in making a headpiece. I am completely overwhelmed. This is way out of my league. We have Googled and YouTubed videos like crazy. Knowing what I'm up against, I already feel defeated. This brings me to my next point. My daughter has a severe case of scoliosis. She's set to have spinal fusion surgery in November. As a mother, I'm scared, feel helpless, and want to do something for her as a post-op surprise. I'm thinking that may help her recovery time as she will have something to look forward to. However, I'm clueless as to where to start. The whole point of this is me asking for any help that you can offer. If there's someone who can help me figure out how to build a head for her, someone that you can pass my info onto, I don't know. I, I'm just a mom who loves and supports her daughter and wants to give her a piece of hope for after surgery. She wants to get involved and I want to support her. Please, please, please feel free to reach out to me. You can email me back or call me. Just a concerned mother wanting to surprise and help my daughter. Thank you for your time. Wow. Um, you know, Mostly we report on anime conventions, but we do cover a lot of fan conventions. Uh, and a furry con is something we haven't covered yet, but I'm so glad you wrote in because it's so great to see a mother who 
uh, cares about her daughter's interests and wants to encourage it. And conventions are a great place for that because you're with people who share the same interests and uh, they can, I, I've made so many friends through conventions. And so I, I hope that your daughter is going to make a lot of friends as well. Um, and I, I hope she, uh, I hope the surgery goes well. And I, I love your idea of uh, giving her a headpiece uh, that she could wear to the next convention. Um, and I, I see you already Googled in YouTube videos. Um, and that's actually what I was going to recommend because I know there's a ton of videos out there for anything cosplay. Uh, whether it's just making an outfit or doing armor or doing a fairy head. And uh, yeah, I, I don't have uh, anybody to refer you to specifically, but I do encourage you to give it a shot and watch a bunch of these videos and find some basic ones and uh, I know for these sort of heads you need um, a lot of foam and then you cover it in the fur and you know you add the details with the eyes and the ears and whatever you want to do um, and so I have made some actual mascot heads for some of my costumes and uh, I did different ways for each one and it was all just uh, a learning experience. And so I, I absolutely encourage you to just try it. And uh, you know, you'll come out with a version one and it might not be great, but then you can do a version two and it'll be better. And then maybe another version and it'd be even better. And this is something you can work uh, together with, with your daughter and it's a great uh, project uh, it's a little bit of a maker project and uh, so you can surprise her with version one and say hey you know I learned some stuff and she may know some stuff because she's into the fandom and so maybe you can work together on the next version and so you know every year you go to this convention or every convention you go to you could have an improved version so and then maybe when you get to the the head to where you like it, you could work on other parts of the costume. And, and so, yeah, just try it out and uh, good luck. And I hope you have fun. Um, and maybe I'll do a cosplay episode on uh, making mascot heads at some point. Because, eh, we'll see. Uh, on Twitter, UFO Sparrow asked, you guys have plenty of cons dating before the 90s. How do you verify those or add to the list if the con is no longer running or verify the dates of early years for some cons that are still going? That's a great question. On fancons.com, we have conventions going back to 1936. We have the first ever uh, fan convention. It was a sci-fi con. I think it's called the first sci-fi con or something. Basically, it's an early version of PhilCon. Uh, and then we've got every world con listed back to the 30s and so like how did you get that info obviously they didn't have websites back in the 30s well here's the secret where is it time travel <laughs> so i just went in the delorean back to all those conventions and found the info and uh 
Yeah, I've got a hoverboard too. Man, you should see those conventions in the future. 2015, crazy. <laughs> okay, no, seriously. Um, for some conventions that have passed, uh, but they were online, on the web, uh, I've been able to use the Internet Archive. That's a website at archive.org. You can put in a website address and see what a web page used to look like. And so I can actually go back to a lot of conventions and see who was on their guest list, where, what their hotel was, and what other information they were asking. And so I use uh, the Internet Archive extensively. Some other conventions predate the web, but there's still information on the Internet about it. And I can use the Usenet archives. Uh, before there was the web, there was something called Usenet news groups. And it was just text. People, essentially a giant forum where people all around the world could go and post, make public posts and discuss things in different threads. And so on some of the anime news groups, people such as Steve Pearl uh, would post information about these conventions as they were happening in the late 90s and in the early 2000s. And so uh, that's been a great resource. Uh, I've referred to so many of Steve Pearl's posts finding information that he would post about a lot of these really old conventions. Uh, and then for conventions even older than that, a lot of conventions post history on their website, like Worldcon had their full history listed on their site and so I was able to use that to uh, build up our database. Um, and then there's some other resources. There's, uh, I think it's Fandom Lore or something, where they list a bunch of conventions that, uh, especially sci-fi cons, that have taken place going way back. And uh, also another resource I've used uh, I could find old Starlog magazines. I've actually looked through old Starlogs, and you can actually find all these back issues way back into the 70s. Uh, every issue of Starlog, I think, is on the Internet Archive, and they're posted as PDFs. So you can flip through, and they used to have convention listings in there, and so I can be, I can look through and be like, oh, there's. A convention and I can put the information in. The problem with that is a lot of those conventions that are listed say for more information write to P.O. Box such and such Tampa Florida but it doesn't say where the convention would be held it just says uh, TrekCon Tampa and it has the dates it doesn't say where and I can't I can only list a convention if I have the dates and the location and just Tampa isn't good enough I need like a hotel um, and that's another issue. A lot of these old conventions are held in locations that don't exist anymore. And so quite often uh, I've had to, especially for all those Worldcon ones, there's some, some old, old New York hotels that are long gone, but I can Google them. And uh, sometimes I can find uh, information like, oh, this hotel became this... Uh, New Yorker hotel got bought by this chain which got bought by this and now it's this or I can find an old address listed somebody might uh, say oh yeah the the 
such and such hotel at 123 street name. Um, and so just Googling the name of the hotel, sometimes I can find old newsletters from some unrelated group that says, oh yeah, we've got our annual meeting at the uh, Howard Johnson's at you know this address. Like, there's the hotel I'm looking for. There's the address. And then I can put the GPS coordinates in. Um, another thing, one of the craziest ones, I was looking all over, I don't remember which convention this was or uh, what even the hotel was, but I was looking all over trying to find any idea of where this hotel was located. And I found on an image search a postcard. And the postcard had the address of the hotel. And so with the postcard, I was able to see what the hotel looked like, which is kind of cool, back in like the 50s or 60s. And then the address was there and I was able to get the GPS coordinates and put it in. So sometimes it's a real challenge. One of the biggest challenges I have though is finding locations for conventions uh, in Asia, especially Japan and China, because I'm trying to Google the location, but it's in Japanese or Chinese. Uh, I've actually had my friend Jekka from the Chibi Project help out with some locations for some Japanese conventions, because uh, she's fluent in Japanese. Uh, anyway, so I use every resource available, and you know, flipping through old star logs is pretty fun anyway seeing what people are saying about the, that new Star Wars. <laughs> uh, also, the underscore Ruben wrote, I've been working some long days and nights. Your podcast has been a huge part of keeping what sanity I have. Heart. <laughs> Thanks, Ruben. Glad to hear it. And uh, so now let's take a look at all the conventions that are coming up through October 2018 as found on fancons.com. Coming up in the next month on AnimeCons TV, Crunchyroll Expo and SAC Anime are both on Labor Day weekend. And they're both in California. They're both in the Bay Area. 
they're about two hours apart. One is down in San Jose, uh, Crunchyroll Expo, and then Sack Anime is in Sacramento. So it's a, like a two hour drive. It, I don't know why, Crunchyroll Expo decided they wanted to be on the same weekend, probably the only date available, but ugh. Um, and uh, so somehow I'm gonna try to report on both of these conventions. Uh, we'll see how that goes. Um, however, Crunchyroll Expo has informed me that they won't allow video recording within the convention center. We're a video podcast. We're on YouTube. Uh, the rule's not anywhere on their website, but they told me when I applied as press that nobody's allowed to record video inside the convention center uh, unless they have a union uh, camera crew, which we do not. And I imagine anybody trying to do Snapchat and Instagram stories does not. So I don't know what they're going to do about that. But uh, so we will use still photos and uh, we'll film the report elsewhere. Um, also, I won't be able to record the cosplay contest. So sorry. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm planning to be at Crunchyroll Expo on Saturday and Sack Anime on Sunday. And uh, we'll see if I can work that out so that works. Anyway, if you're going to be at either of these conventions and you see me, just come up, say hi. And uh, I think I still have some stickers left. So, um, But we love hearing from your viewers. And uh, so we need to hear from you before our next feedback episode at the end of September. It's September already? Oh, where's the time gone? Uh, if you're watching this on YouTube, you can just leave a comment down in the comment area. And uh, don't forget to like and subscribe. Uh, we haven't had many voicemails for a while, but our voicemail line is still there at 762-ADEQUATE. at 762-233-7828. And you can also text us at that number, which nobody ever does. Uh, and you can email us at podcast at animecons.tv. New episodes are available every Monday at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific. Uh, we post about them on Facebook and Twitter, so please share and retweet uh, or uh, share links to our YouTube video. It really helps us out. And uh, telling your friends about us is such an easy thing to do, and it makes a big difference. So please tell people to watch our episodes. If, they, if we get a cosplay help episode, uh, tell somebody like, hey, you needed help doing this? Here, watch this. Or just you know, share it on your Facebook page. Let everybody know. They should be watching AnimeCons TV. See what these old farts have to say. Um, and uh, you can subscribe. If you're not subscribed, please help us out. Uh, if you're watching this on YouTube, there should be a subscribe button somewhere, so hit that. Um, and you can also subscribe on iTunes. We're a podcast. So subscribe to our video podcast at itunes.animecons.tv or you can watch on our site at animecons.tv. Um, we also have a Apple TV app. So if you have an Apple TV, the, the latest version, uh, or the one with the apps, you can search for Animecons TV and download our app. Also, new thing, we're on Unlocked. Uh, a bunch of voice actors have created an app where you can uh, 
interact with them when they go live. And uh, so if you want to see uh, David Vincent and Bryce Pappenbrook and a ton of others and see what they're up to, download the Unlocked app. And we're also in there. So if you want to see our episodes, there, you know, a lot of this is vertical video, but we post ours sideways. So it's, you can rotate your phone and watch us. Uh, but yeah, Unlocked. Uh, you can get it by going to unlocked.animecons.tv. So go to that link, unlocked.animecons.tv, and download the app and check it out. It's pretty cool. And uh, if you want to follow me, I'm on Twitter at pdelahanty. And uh, if you want to follow Animecons TV, it's on Twitter at Animecons TV. And uh, thanks for watching. We'll see you next week. And then Crunchyroll and second anime a couple weeks after. So, see you again soon. Bye.